Bible, please, would you turn firstly to a verse in Romans chapter 8, Romans chapter 8, verse 28, and then we'll go to the book of Genesis. So we're reading first in Romans chapter 8 and verse 28. Romans chapter 8, verse 28. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Now we're going to see that in the life of Joseph. Chapter 37 of Genesis, all things working together for good. Genesis chapter 37, firstly, and verse 1, And Jacob dwelt in the land wherein his father was a stranger in the land of Canaan. These are the generations of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brethren, and the lad was with the sons of Bela, with the sons of Zilpha, his father's wives. And Joseph brought unto his father their evil report. Now go over please to Genesis 39. Genesis 39. Verse 1. And Joseph was brought down to Egypt. And Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, brought him out of the hands of the Ishmaelites which had brought him down thither. And the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a prosperous man, and he was in the house of his master in Egypt. Have we look at the last verse, 23, and the keeper of the prison looked not to anything that was under his hand, because the Lord was with him, and that which he did the Lord made to prosper. And the last verse, please, up in chapter uh, 41, chapter 41 and verse 14. Chapter 41 and verse 14. Then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph, and they brought him hastily out of the dungeon, and he shaved himself and changed his raiment and came in on the Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, I have dreamed a dream, and there is none that can interpret it. And I have heard say of thee that thou canst understand a dream. To interpret it. And the last verse, please, 42. 42. And verse 36. And Jacob their father said unto them, Me have ye bereaved of my children? Joseph is not, and Simeon is not, and ye will take Benjamin away. All these things are against me. And God will bless the reading of his precious word this morning. I want to use this great verse, Romans 8 and 28, to let you see the hand of God moving in Genesis chapter 37 and these scriptures that we've read in the life of Joseph. Did you notice, first of all, in chapter 37, there's a wonderful practical lesson in the first verse. Did you notice it said, that? sorry, second verse, Joseph being 17 years of age. Joseph being 17 years of age. 17 has a very, very wonderful uh, significance in scripture. Did you know that the ark of Noah rested on the 17th day? 
And that teaches you this very simply at the start of the meeting. That when you read the number 17, it speaks of peace in troubled waters. And so the first thing you learn here is that 17 brings before you the thought of peace in troubled waters. Did you know this? Did you know that in Psalm 23, and it links back to 37 here where Joseph's keeping the sheep. Did you know in Psalm 23 that there are 17 personal pronouns? Me, my, and I in Psalm 23. And then did you notice this, please? In Romans chapter 8, there's a very wonderful 17. In Romans chapter 8, it says that there are 17 things that cannot separate us. 17 things that cannot separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Now, here's the greatest lesson of the 17. If you drop your eye up to 47, chapter 47, I think it's 47, chapter 47, You'll, and look at verse 28, look at verse 28, Chapter 47 and verse 28. 47 and 28. And Jacob lived in the land of Egypt 17 years. So the whole age of Jacob was 147. Now here's a wonderful truth. Did you notice, please, when we first looked at Joseph, he was 17. All you young people, this is a great lesson for you. When we see Joseph first here, he's 17 years of age. He had lived for 17 years in his father's house. He had, lived, he had lived under the loving care and the protection of his father for 17 years. Now you got that, haven't you? It says that Joseph lived for 17 years in his father's home. Now that's very important. Where we looked in chapter 47, it said that Jacob lived in Joseph's home for 17 years. You know, that's really wonderful. I'll tell you why. Joseph, for the first 17 years of his life, was cared for and protected and loved by his father. Just that you have, just like you and me. We lived in our father's house, loved and cared for and protected. Wonderful thing. Only 17. But here's a great lesson that I learned. And, there's, and it is significant in scripture that God records this second 17. What does it teach us? The last 17 years of Jacob's life, where were they spent? In Joseph's house. Isn't that tremendous? Here's a man who was successful as the prime minister of Egypt. A mighty man he became. And he, he rewarded his father. He cared for his father in the last 17 years of his father's life. You know, we live in an age, and I'll say it bluntly, we live in an age where old people are packaged away when they get too old. We live in an age when some people have, have careers, great careers, and they forget all about the formative years when their parents and their home cared for them, put them through education. They forget all about it. And we live in an age where it's prone to just put them into a home. Well, that's not what Joseph did. That's not what Joseph did. I think it's really wonderful that this man of God rewarded his father 
for the care that he'd given him for 17 years. He took his father into his home. And for the last 17 years of Jacob's life, he spent it in the loving care of Joseph in his home in, in Egypt. How wonderful it was. Now what I want you to see here in this chapter is this. Joseph's in the prison. I want you to imagine this prison in the dungeon. And I want you to see him in the prison. I want you to remember the butler and the baker. I want you to remember the butler and the baker. And I want you to remember the last verse of chapter 40. Would you have a look at the last verse of chapter 40 again? Chapter 40, verse 23. Yet did not the chief butler remember Joseph, but forgot him. Here's Joseph in the prison. He's done nothing wrong. Absolutely nothing wrong. He's spotless, he's flawless, but he finds himself in the prison. He's here in the deepest, darkest part of the prison, and he says to the butler, listen, whenever you get out, will you remember me? And the Bible tells us this, that at the moment the butler got out, he forgot all about Joseph. What a blow. What a blow. Here's a man languishing in a situation all on his own. And you know what it looks like? It looks like nobody cares. It looks like nobody cares. And at the end of two years, he's bound in the prison, all alone. And everyone has, seems, forgot about him. Did you notice this, but there's not a murmur out of him. He doesn't say a word. He never murmurs in scripture. Here he is at the greatest moment of his life. And he seems as if he's forgotten about. And it seems as if nobody cares. What a moment it was. But what I want you to see is this. I want to encourage you. I want you to see that at his darkest, deepest moment. I want you to imagine his darkest, deepest, depressive moment. The worst moment there could possibly be. And it was at that moment. It was at that moment that God begins to move. Now how did God begin to move here? How can God change a situation where you're in the darkest possible position you ever could be? How did God begin to move? You know how God began to move? God began to move in Pharaoh's heart. God was working all things together for good. Do you know what God did? Do you know what God did? In the middle of the night, in the middle of the night, God moved into Pharaoh's bedroom. Could you, could you imagine this? God started to move the whole situation with the highest man in the land. God moved into the bedroom of the highest man in the land. And he caused him to have a dream. He gave this man a vision. And the vision shook Pharaoh, shook him to his bones. Did you notice God gave him a double dream? Did you notice this, please? The double dreams are almost unique to Genesis. When God gives a double dream, a double dream is to specially establish a truth. So God moves into this man's bedroom. Remember, Joseph, he's in the prison with Pharaoh in the bedroom. God moves into his bedroom, gives him a vision, shakes the king. And the first thing I want you to see is this, God moving, God moving. And the second thing I want you to notice, because it moves fast now, you'll see the king dreaming. So the first thing you'll see is God's moving. And you'll see the king dreaming. And then you'll notice this. You know the old musicians. No, musicians. I was thinking of you there. The old magicians. The old magicians. 
Pharaoh calls all the, all the magicians. And he says to them, what's the meaning of my dream? And all the magicians, I'm getting it right now. All the magicians are lined up. And you know what they're like? They're like spectators at a football match. They haven't a word to say. They haven't a clue. They haven't got a clue. They're starting on the sidelines useless. Pharaoh says, I've had this terrible, disturbing dream. What does it mean? And he gets all the academics and all the magicians. Maybe there was musicians there too. I don't know. But he lines them up. And they couldn't speak. They couldn't speak. Why? Because God was in control. Can you see what's happening? God is moving. In a situation that is desperate, God is moving. Then the king is dreaming. The magicians are failing. You got that? The magicians are failing. God moving. The king dreaming. The magicians are failing. And all of a sudden, I think this is wonderful. I shouted praise the Lord last night. All of a sudden, the butler's remembering. You got all these ING's. The Lord's moving. But do you see what happens in a minute? And I show you when the Lord moves. The Lord's moving. And the king, he's lying on his bed dreaming. And the magicians are standing up the side failing. And the butler, after two years, after two years, the butler is remembering. How could all this happen? It happens because God is in control. God is beginning to work. And God just took the king's imagination. That's wonderful. And he showed the king, he showed the king many things. He showed the king the river Nile. He showed the king the river. He showed the king the cattle. God was working his purposes. And you see the butler, the old butler, he had forgot, forgot Joseph. And all of a sudden, the butler gets a jolt. And he's remembering. The butler's remembering. And you know, when God begins to work, when God begins to work and come down on the land the way he's coming down in this one, when God breathes upon, when God breathes upon the land again, suddenly the butler's remembering. You got it now? God is moving. The king is dreaming. The magicians are failing. The butler is remembering. Now, what do you see what happens next? You put all them together. Do you see what happens next? It's dead simple. Suddenly, the prisoner's set free. Suddenly, suddenly, the prisoner is set free to glorify, to, to testify to the greatness of God. And then all of a sudden, you see the powerlessness of Pharaoh. Pharaoh's not as big a fella as he thought he was. And I'll tell you what happens. God moves into this scene. And God moves into a prison. And he sets the prisoner free. You can see this. God is breaking the shackles that held Joseph. Could you, 24 hours before this, could you imagine it? Could you imagine that in 24 hours... God could break the shackles of a prisoner that was held bound in the darkness. God just came into Pharaoh and he bent him and he broke him and he was powerless in the hands of God. I was thinking of President Putin. I was thinking of President Putin. 
He's only a man. And he's powerless in God's hands. The Bible says he's only a grasshopper. And God is in control. We used to sing a chorus years ago. God is still on the throne. And he will remember his own. And if God can do it with this man, God can do it in the Kremlin in Russia. The butler comes now. It's a wonderful story. The butler comes now. Do you know what the butler does? The butler remembers his faults. He tells all about his faults. And then the butler, he presents the facts of what was taking place. Presents the facts. He brings his friend before the king. It's a wonderful moment. And it says that Joseph was set free. Set free. Out of his bondage. Out of his crisis. Out of his darkness. God within 24 hours. Within 24 hours. The power of God moved so powerfully. That this man was set free. And it says. I like this bit. It says that it took a moment or two. Joseph cleaned himself up. Cleaned himself up. It's a wonderful thing, you know, when God emancipates a man. When God emancipates a man. When he breaks a man's shackles. When God sets a man free. It's a great thing to let the world see. To let the world see that you're really changed. Did you know Joseph wore four garments? Did you know he wore four garments? He lost three of them. They were taken from him. He wore the garment of a slave and it was taken from him. He wore the garment of a prisoner and it was taken from him. He wore four garments, but the last garment that he wore was a white linen robe. And that signified that he was the Lord of all the land and all that he surveyed. And that garment would never be taken from him. Do you know what it says? That when he wore that garment, the whole of Egypt bowed the knee to him. And it's a wonderful picture of the Lord Jesus on a coming day. That at the name of Jesus, the Bible says, every knee shall bow. I like what, uh, I like what Joseph says in verse 15 of chapter 40. Sorry, 30, 41, 41. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, I have a dream and there is none that can tell it. Look at verse 16 of chapter 41. And Joseph answered Pharaoh saying, It is not me. God shall give Pharaoh an answer to the dream. Do you know what I love about that? I love, about, I love the humbleness of Joseph. Pharaoh brings him out. And he says to him, basically he says, who did this? Who told you the meaning of the dream? Thank you very much, Joseph, for, for explaining this to me. And you know what Joseph says? A mighty statement. He makes a mighty statement in the presence of Pharaoh. Do you know what he says? It's not me. It's not me. He wants to give God the glory. It's not me. It's not me that liveth, but Christ that liveth in me. And do you know something? If we get any help at all in the meeting, if we see a soul at all saved, we'll have to stand up and say, it's not me. It's not me. It's not me, Joseph says. It's the Lord. It was the Lord that gave you the meaning of the dream. It's not me. What a cry. Do you know something I was just thinking? 
If there was more men than platforms that would cry, it's not me. That's what he cried, it's not me. It's the Lord. What a man he was. What a humble man he was. And he gave glory to God. Lifted up his heart and he says, it's not me. You know, there's a need to keep your feet in the ground. There's a need, there's a need to have an anchor for your soul. There's a, do you know what this is? Do you see when you stand up on the platform and you say, it's not me? It's not me. It's the answer. It's the anchor. It's the action. It's the action we need to take before the world. It's not me, he says. It's the antidote of pride. Joseph could have filled himself with pride. This is the antidote of pride. Pharaoh, it's not me. It's the Lord. And oh, how wonderful it was. What an attitude it was. What an assurance it was. It's not me. It's not me. But I'll tell you this. Joseph is leaving the prison now. He's come from being a slave, a prisoner, and he's about to mount the steps of the palace. What a man he was. What a man he was. What a wonderful man he was. Now, before I left the house this morning, the Lord spoke to me, and I have a particular message for somebody here. I don't know who you are, but I have a particular message for you. And I want you to turn to chapter 42 and verse 36. Chapter 42 and verse 36. And old Jacob's here, old Jacob's here. And old Jacob, their father, said unto them, Me have ye bereaved of my children. Joseph is not, and Simeon is not, and ye will take Benjamin away. All these things are against me. Now you look at that verse, and you'll say to yourself, How's that verse a message for me? How's that verse a message for me? Now, I want you to listen to me. I really want you to listen to me because there's somebody here this message is for. So Jacob stands up and he says, here's what he says. Joseph is dead. Simeon is dead. Benjamin took away from me. Now I want to point this out to you. See everything in verse 36 that he says. It's wrong. It's wrong. There's four things I want to say to you this morning from this verse. Very simple things. He says, Joseph, basically Joseph is dead. That's wrong. He says, Simeon is dead. That's wrong. Benjamin take away from me. That's wrong. And then he says this. Maybe you're, maybe you're in this situation. All these things are against me. Maybe there's somebody here this morning or they're listening on the Zoom or, or they'll get the, the tape and they're saying, everything is against me. Well, you see, Jacob, he's wrong here. He's wrong. Joseph wasn't dead. Simeon wasn't dead. And Benjamin would be returned. Now, here's what I want to say to you. This is for you. Now, you're listening to me. 
because this is vitally important from the Lord. This is for you. Number one, don't jump. Don't jump to the wrong conclusion. That's the first thing the Lord wants to say. Don't jump to the wrong conclusion. If you're in a sticky situation at the minute, if you're really worried about something at the minute, here's what I'm going to say to you. Number one, don't jump to the wrong conclusion. That's what Jacob did. He got that. The first thing is that don't jump to the wrong conclusion. Don't be hyping it all up. Don't be thinking the worst. Don't jump to the wrong conclusion. That's the first thing. You want to know what the second thing is? Don't give up hope. Don't give up hope. That's what God wants to say to you. Number one, don't jump to the wrong conclusion. Number two, don't give up hope. Don't give up hope. No matter what the doctor says, no matter how bad the situation is, no matter how dark the night is, don't give up hope. You're my child. Don't give up hope. You got it now. Don't jump to the wrong conclusion. Don't give up hope. Here's the third thing. Leave it in my hands. Leave it in my hands. And here's the last thing. The Lord has everything in control. In control. What a message. What a message. Eh? What a message for God to come to carry Duff last night. And the devil has battled me this morning. The devil has battled me this morning, even standing here the first 15 minutes. Whoa. But now it's quiet because the Lord's speaking. I'm going to go over it again. I'm deadly serious. I'm deadly serious as you listen to me. Now, have you got it? This is what you have to do. Don't jump to the wrong conclusion. Don't add things up. You used to say you add two and two together and you got ten. Don't do that. Don't jump to the wrong conclusion. Definitely, don't give up hope. Don't give up hope. Thirdly, leave it in God's hands. And what's the last thing? What's the last thing? God has everything in control. Everything in control. Why? Because as Joseph languished in the prison, there was an unseen hand. What was it doing? What was it doing? He couldn't see it. Joseph couldn't see it. He's doing in the darkness of the dungeon. But there's this unseen hand. What was it doing? All the time he was suffering. You listening to me? All the time he was worrying. 
All the time you're lying in bed at night, you listening to me, all the time you're lying in bed at night, twisting and turning, can't sleep. There's an unseen hand. An unseen hand. And my brother and my sister, it's working all things together for your good. For your good. What a message. What a God. What a Savior. I'm, I'm as serious as I have ever been. As serious with this message that I have ever been. Don't jump to a conclusion. Don't give up hope. Leave it with the Lord. Leave it with the Lord. Do you, you ever hear that chorus? Do you ever hear that chorus? Take your burden to the Lord and leave it there. And know what the half of us do. We take the burden to the Lord in the prayer meeting and leave it there. And then before we leave the prayer meeting, we take the burden back, put it in the back seat of the car, take it home with us. Isn't that right? Take your burden to the Lord and leave it there. Don't jump to a conclusion. Because it's the wrong conclusion. The devil will have you bait before you start. If the devil can drown you in worry, he'll do it now. Don't jump to a conclusion. Don't give up hope. Don't give up hope. The Lord hasn't given up hope. Don't give up hope. Leave it, leave it with the Lord. And remember this. God is everything. God has everything. Every little detail. God has a perfect understanding of your circumstances. God has a perfect understanding of your circumstances. And he has everything under control. You know why? Because all around about you and underneath you this morning are the everlasting arms. I'm going to say no more. But the one thing I want to assure you of this morning is this. This is a message from God for you. Rest on it. Make us promises. Make us promises your pillow tonight. Make us promises your pillow tonight. Rest on his word. Let's close in the word of prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we humbly bow at the close of this meeting. And we already feel we already feel like our brother described earlier, happy in the discharge of the word of God this morning. Happy in the delivery of the message to someone here. And we quite simply take everyone here in this meeting 
and all who are listening, we very tenderly now take them and we leave them at thy feet and we pray thy blessing upon them. Bless this assembly. Remember Liam and Linda. Put your hand and healing upon them too, we pray. But Lord, write this message on our hearts. Make it firm truth that, we're, that we can rest upon. And bless us now as we separate the one from the other in the knowledge that God is moving and that there is an unseen hand even in the darkest situation, an unseen hand that is working all things together for our good. Bless us, we pray, in the Saviour's precious name. Amen.